The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program is made possible with support from Seth David Radwell, a recent guest on the program and author of American Schism, How the Two Enlightenments Hold a Secret to Healing Our Nation, released in July 2021. As Publishers Weekly writes in its recent glowing review of American Schism, business executive Radwell's epic debut examines the historical influences that have led to what he sees as the collapse of politics in the United States. Seth Radwell makes the case that the current chasm between the American right and left can be traced back to the 18th century's Age of Enlightenment and the basic tenets of liberty, equality, and reason. American Schism provides a historical perspective that can help bridge current day divides. American Schism by Seth David Radwell is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. For more information, go to americanschismbook.com. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody, as we uh, continue with today's three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. We're going to shift gears a little bit. My guest this hour is a former history professor uh, at uh, Concordia University, and uh, she has a degree in political science and a law degree from William Mitchell College of Law. But she's here to talk about a children's book series which seems like a natural progression. Um, the uh, series has dropped the puck, and uh, yeah, you guessed it, she is in fact a big hockey fan, and uh, the series is uh, hockey-based, written by Jane J. Jones Beeler, and uh, Jane joins me by phone. Hi, Jane, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. Hey, I think this is hockey season, so of course we're talking hockey and not politics. Well, yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> although I don't always get that opportunity, so it's kind of nice. Um, how how did you uh, how did you get the uh, hockey bug? Well, I got the hockey bug at a young age. So I'm a, a hockey sister, as they like to say. Both my brothers played through high school, and then actually one went and played juniors, college, and semi-pro. So I grew up at the rink in northern Minnesota. I think where you get a hockey stick in one hand and a blanket in the other hand when you're born. So. I completely get it. Have a little bit of a finished 
get an even descent in me, so I think that that adds to the mix. But then I married a hockey coach, so it all kind of came together. And, but you've taken a special interest in, uh, in hockey for special needs kids. Yeah, of course, absolutely. So, yeah, you, it's basically I, I wrote the 2013 USA Fiction Book of the Year called Capital Hell, which we'll save that for another day. It's a little juicy, saucy tale of what it's like to work in the U.S. Senate. I was sitting at a hockey game. <laughs> after I wrote that book. I was sitting at a hockey game with my daughter, and, you know, I always kind of wanted on my bucket list. was always kind of a dream to write a children's book. I thought that book would be kind of for a toddler, like a preschooler, kind of like a picture book. And I'm like, gosh, it would be kind of fun to have a hockey book, you know, because there's not very many kids' hockey books out there. There's definitely a need for it. Well, long and behold of it, as you mentioned, I'm a lawyer by trade. Well, it turns out that book for a three- or four-year-old is better for a third-grader. <laughs> so that's exactly what we did. And we're at the hockey game. Here's the deal. We're at the hockey game. We're sitting there, and somebody around us, I don't know who it was, some foolish person, used the R word. And my daughter kind of gripped my shoulder. She's kind of like, don't say anything. Well, she knows I can't stand the R word. She's like, not everybody has had your lifestyle growing up. Well, here's the lifestyle growing up. My mom managed about 45 group homes for people with uh, physically and mentally uh, disabilities. So I can't stand the R word. I cringe every single time I heard it. But I'm like, you know what? That's a teachable moment. So with that, that's exactly what we did. There's three books in the series. Uh, two Two characters have Down syndrome in the book. A couple kids have autism. We have one sled player. And we really do bring inclusion in a very nice, subtle way where it's not necessarily um, thrown in your face, so to speak, but it's in just a realistic, uh, authentic uh, book series that teaches kids about sportsmanship along with friendship and teammates and along with, of course, those special hockey players, too. You know, when you were talking about cringing over the R word, I remember my dad, mm-hmm. just when I was a, a little boy, he just freaked out when I inadvertently used the phrase deaf and dumb. Yeah. Because yeah. His, I, can't, his, I can't stand it. His parents were deaf. Yeah, and that was, that was a phrase that, you know, was really highly, he was highly sensitive to. And, and it became, as you suggested, a, a teachable moment. And, mm-hmm. um, but the book series, how did that, how did your interests turn into the Drop the Puck series, which is what? Well, how I think many, what, I how think many what, books are there well, in the series? There's, there's three in the series. They just got released, uh, kind of had a rebirth, basically got brand new illustrations. and co- They used to be five books, now they're combined down to three, and we changed the storyline just a little bit in all three of them. So um, they've been endorsed by over 15 different NHL players. We have all the great, we have all the great ones on the books, so to speak. But you know, it came because I, I wanted on that bucket list. I wanted to write a children's book, and so it just, it, it. I sat at my computer, started writing, and long and behold, that's what it came to be. Was uh, the, again, it was supposed to be for a preschooler. It turned out that when you're a lawyer and you. You write a certain way. <laughs> you know, you're not. You're not writing for a. Pre, you're not writing for a preschooler. So it ends up really being a good book. Good, great book series for that third through sixth grader. Um, there's a glossary in the back of the, both of the all three of the books. So there's a certain word the kid will get stuck on. They should be able to read the definition and keep on trucking right through. Because not every kid knows what a zamboni is. <laughs> and and hardly any of us know what heretofore means. Right, <laughs> right. So I don't even know what that means. Right. So yeah. So yeah. So here's the deal. So like I said, the books have been endorsed by over 15 different NHL players. I mean, they really do take on a message of um, 
sportsmanship, family, the importance of friendships, the importance of the locker room. You don't always have to win in the books. And it's not just a bunch of giving out a bunch of trophies and participation awards. We're not we're not into that at all. So it's just a really delightful book. The illustrations in the book series are all done by Corey Jones, who is the same illustrator of the very popular VeggieTales series. So they are fantastic. I'm absolutely head over skates, as I like to say, in love <laughs> with the books. And um, I think they make a really great Christmas slash holiday present because it does kids, especially a kid who loves the rink or even that sister or that the, the brother watching, the, watching their sister play, um, it, it brings home that, that love of the game in such, such a delightful tale that you'll fall in love with the two main characters, Blaine and Colin. Well, you developed a, a fictitious hometown for these characters. <laughs> appropriately. Careful, careful. It might not be fictitious if you grew up in northern Minnesota. There is a hockey town USA. Well, I was going to say, you decided <laughs> to call it Hockey Town. And, you know, my, my, I was going to see if you'd had any blowback from Detroiters. Oh, yeah, a couple people. There's been a couple people online that have been like, listen, Hockey Town USA is not in Minnesota and War Road. It's actually been, was born in Detroit. But most people kind of see that there's a real connection to War Road in the book. And, like, Again, it's based in Minnesota. It's based in, I think I say that there's more um, rinks than there are stoplights in Hockey Town, USA. So it, it kind of has that coziness of the feel. But, yeah, that's kind of a funny comparison. And, well, and I was curious about that because where else would, you know, would these characters grow up but Hockey Town? Um, is, is the fact that Minnesota has so many lakes a reason why there are so many rinks oh gosh i don't know i think that maybe i think it has something to do with i think michigan and minnesota have a lot in common i think there's a lot of scandinavians i think it's a lot of folk from uh norway folk from finland so to speak folk from sweden that descended down to those great um northern midwest states then i think that's a reason but here's the deal so my husband grew up in southern california you and I, Tom, would think in Southern California, it's all Hollywood and glitz, right? Pretty well, much. He claims, he claims to me <laughs> that California, especially Southern California, is like the hottest like hockey area in the U.S. So I don't know what he's uh, thinking about California these days, but he definitely thinks that you know he was he, he was born <laughs> where Wayne Gretzky came from, and that that's the reason why there's so many more rinks in California and and in the L.A. area than there are in uh, Fargo. Has, has I, he, has, I defer. Has he been to Minnesota? Has he been to Michigan? Oh yes, get this. <laughs> so he actually moved from, this is the best story ever. After um, high school, he went from, oh gosh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose the quote here. I think it's a population of like, I want to say 150,000 people to a town. He's yelling at me. 190,000 people. It's a town he grew up in in L.A. He moved to Deerwood, Minnesota, a town of 190 people. <laughs> so he saw his first—he saw his first snowbank, so to speak. Saw his first real taste of uh, thirty below degree weather, and fell in love with Minnesota hockey versus California hockey. Oh, I, I used to travel. On the, <laughs> I used to travel on the road as a musician, and I played a couple of times in Hibbing, Minnesota. And one time, oh, Hibbing, was, oh yes. One time it was in February, and for oh my two gosh. weeks. The wind chill was seventy below. Hey, that that's 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 pretty nice. 
I never left That's the hotel. Did you? Oh, come on. Oh, come on. <laughs> once you get, I think, well, I always say, once it gets below like 30 and below, people probably, listeners probably agree, once it's below 30 degrees, it all feels the same, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, once it, it hits like zero and once below, it's below 30, it's, it's all the same. Come you on. Just bundle up and warm the car up and, you know, all those things that, that us northerners have gotten used to in our yeah. lives. Um, what about the characters in this book? Do, do they are, Is each book you know a further adventures of, or are they um, yeah, Well, it's sort of a layered effect. No, 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 no. Well, here's the deal. It's kind of both. <laughs> so you can read it as a series. You can read it as a series, and it also can be standalones, too. But the characters are my favorite part of the whole book. So like I said, there's two main characters, Blaine and Colin. Colin is named after my very favorite NHL player, Matt Colin, who grew up in uh, Moorhead, Minnesota. He actually, I think, for a while was raised in Virginia, Minnesota, which is right by him, as we talked about. Um, Colin played for the Ducks. He played for the Wild. Just a great dad. Just a great, uh, he retired, played for the Pittsburgh Penguins when they won the Stanley Cup. That's Colin is the main character. He's the captain of the squad, kind of a full himself, kind of a kid. We all know a kid like that on the ice. His brother Blaine is the young son hero of book number one. He was born with Down syndrome and is the hockey team manager and steals the day and really shows the team what to be like. Then get a load of this. So basically, I, I gave the first set of, uh, first book to Avery Haxtell. Avery is the lovely daughter of um, Coach Haxtell and Avery sent me a message um, by email and said, in real life, and said, hey, look, I play on the, I'm a girl, I play on the boys' team, and I scored the winning goal in some sectional tournament, and I did the breakaway, blah, blah, blah. That's the storyline, along with others in book number two. So Avery comes into play, where Avery's on the place on the boys' team, and they show the, the bo- girls show the boys a, a, thing or, a thing or two. And then we um, did an event with the Washington Capitals where, Alex Kovechkin met a girl named Anne Schwab. Well, Anne Schwab was born with Down syndrome and decided that during a special hockey practice, she was mic'd up for the TV cameras who were playing with Alex and said, you know, Alex, I'd rather go and get sushi than be on this ice <laughs> for the day. So that kind of was captured all over the news, and we kept that relationship and built that into book number two, along with some other great characters out there. I love the fact that we bring in two girls in book three that were both um, – both actually Minnesota girls. Minnesota girls. They're both born the exact same week. They're both turned eleven uh, last week. Where they're both born with cerebral palsy, and they have used the equipment and the techniques of special hockey as a stride of the skate movement. Right, the stride of, the stride of skating has actually helped them to increase their leg strength. That one now is actually out of her wheelchair, out of her. Um, Oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank out of her, uh, um, what do you call that? When you have uh, braces on her legs and is able to walk without the braces. And the other one is still struggling a little bit, has a wheelchair, but their cerebral palsy is definitely, um, though the muscles have been so strengthened that that skating movement has been remarkable. So we include that story about both of those. Their names Lila and McKenna. So the books are really a, based on real life inspiring kids. Who, hey, Jane, let me tell you, McKenna and Lila have the best smiles you'll ever see. I hate to interrupt, but I have to take a short break here. Jane, can you stick around so take we it, can talk take it. some more? Oh my gosh, of course. All right, we'll be back and talk more about hockey, hockey town, and uh, drop the puck series right after brand this. New dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you are listening to the Tom Sumner. Program. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wanky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors. 
Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. And welcome back, everybody. We continue now my conversation with the author of uh, a children's book series called Drop the Puck. She is uh, Jane, Jane Jones Beeler, and she joins me by phone. Jane, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. Oh, my gosh. That was kind of interesting. I liked <laughs> all your commercials. Um, <laughs> we were talking about some of Well, you said in the last segment that you had mm-hmm. reworked this book series from five books mm-hmm. to three. Mm-hmm. Was that... was was that intention to make it a trilogy, or are there many more books coming in the Drop the Puck series? Here's what happened. So during uh, COVID, we um, the book series obviously was self-published, and we got bought out by a regional, kind of a bigger publisher. So they wanted to take the five books and move them down to three based on their expertise and advice, and they wanted to redo the illustrations. So I don't think there was anything other than that method behind it there's going to be more books in the series as you know this is the fun part now i'm hearing from kids that are reading the books and saying hey look i got a good i got a good story for you to tell you about <laughs> you know my friend joey or you know the little you know this character patricia so that's they'll, they'll be more in the series but they these were these as i like to say they were relaunched rebirthed just about a, a couple of weeks ago so they are perfect for right when we're dropping the puck in the start of the season and season and you know it's I love the new illustrations because they really do um, seem a little bit more realistic to me than the uh, the prior illustrations where these illustrations really catch the eye of the young reader and they're great. And I, I never in a million years would ever thought that the hockey mom in the book would have pink hair, but hey, the hockey mom now in the book has pink hair and I love it. How much of the, of the books um, and the characters how much of the stories and the characters are based on real people and events? Oh, quite a bit. Uh, obviously, uh, there's a lot of, um, I have to put characters together, write stories together to turn it into a series, but they're really, they're, oh my gosh, based on real life inspiring kids with their stories. And yeah, um, I've never been asked that question. I can't give you a percentage, so to speak, but I would say definitely majority. No, I just wanted to underscore the fact that that a lot of the uh, books they're not, um, not just it's, it's they're not fiction, parables they're right? not made it's up fiction, but it's, it's it's content that's based on real life inspiring kids that let me tell you these kids are these kids are remarkable and I'm gonna have dinner with my gosh three of them come Saturday night and I that's the highlight of my week that's gonna happen we're going to the Jack Shablonsky Belief Foundation which is all about paralysis. Jack was the uh, Minnesota hockey player that was checked from behind and now works for the L.A. Kings. And we're going to their big event where they're talking about paralysis for individuals that, you know, have life-changing injuries and accidents. And so sitting at that table is going to be the characters with me. And I can't wait because these kids are so inspiring to me because they don't give up, Tom. They don't give up. I mean, you know, I, I love the fact that Little Lila got the books from, like I said, the Haxtell family uh, gifted to her, and she was born a wheel- born a wheelchair bound. And after reading, she told her mom, she's like, "I'm gonna go play hockey." And her mom's like, "Well, okay, that's a great goal, but how are we gonna make this happen?" And sure enough, she went and started skating, did special hockey practices every Sunday. And guess who showed up? 
you know Jason Zucker is? He's played for the Wild. Now he plays for Pittsburgh Penguins. Great hockey player. He came every single Sunday to watch her and skate with her. And there was no cameras in the, in there was no cameras in the rink. He did it because he cared, and was so inspired by her. That's that's what we're telling. That's tremendous. Um, mm-hmm. Let me let me ask you this. Um, you talk about some of these kids having special needs, but how diverse are the players um, in in terms of their um, physical challenges and so on depicted in the book? Um, it, and and I guess where I'm going with this, Jane, is 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 there a way to play hockey from a wheelchair the way some basketball? Of course, I mean, we have. Right, absolutely. So they, they, you know what? Here's the deal. There is such great equipment out there. The kids that are wheelchair bound now actually can. I, I don't know what it's called. I've only seen the equipment. Right, I've only skated with this equipment, where they actually are able to stand the child up straight forward, so to speak. Right, and be able to have them wheelchair bound kids are able to stand on the ice with assistance, with guide of technology, and be able to skate. We've come a long way. Or of course. There's kids that are sled hockey players, right, that are normally wheelchair-bound, probably have some uh, mobile difficulties, that are playing hockey but playing sled hockey and are incredible players. And, you know, we, I've heard from kids that are, um, we talked about earlier today, blind players, blind, blind hockey players. Hockey's a great sport. And there's, you, I think, get a different perspective of the game that we all love through different eyes of, of each of those players that makes it their favorite game too. So absolutely. And so, you know, the players are diverse in the fact that they have, we have a couple players with autism, a couple players that have downs, like I said, a couple players that um, are sled players in the book and they all bring such a, a winningness attitude, right? That they, again, they don't give up. They motivate their teammates. They don't always win, <laughs> and that's okay, and they might have a little, you know, like a little temper tantrum, so to speak, on the bench, and the coach gets after them. We have two great referees in the book, Riley and Rosie, that are through the entire series that really understand the game but also understand kids and are funny. And I just think that it's not just a book for people that love hockey. It's a book for people who want to be inspired, who love life. That's that's. Amazing. I, you know, I, I used to think basketball moved really fast until I went to a hockey game. Huh? And, yeah. and I, I guess what I'm wondering is um, when, when special kids are playing hockey, is, is the game still as, as fast or is it slowed down a little bit? And, and might we actually understand the game better watching these kids play? <laughs> Maybe. I think that I've been to a couple of special hockey games in my life where it's definitely, a fa- there's, sometimes there's a faster pace and sometimes there's a slower pace, right? And sometimes there's modifications that are made so that it fits the kids' abilities that are there, that are playing. It might be a sh- half a sheet of ice or it might just be that you get to shoot on the, shoot on the goalie, so to speak, and the goalie might be a dad. So I think there's different um, modifications that happen and there's different verses of games, just like there's differences between uh, Vanham A player and maybe a Bantam C player is going to have a different speed of the game, so to speak, too. But it's all about the love of the game, right? It's about, the, it's about being at the rink. It's about um, 
being frozen. <laughs> it's it's about the joys of scoring. It's about the joys of being able to defend. It's it's about my husband's a goalie for crying out loud. So every position matters. And so it, I don't I don't think it's fair to say that the special hockey players maybe have a slower pace. They might, but also that's just the difference in levels and abilities. And so I just think that it, it the love of that game is uh, shared over and over and over again. And yeah, you know, I didn't. I didn't bring that up, Jane. I, I didn't bring that up to be uh, to be critical. I, oh no, my, no, I get it completely. Yeah, my my point was uh, sometimes when a game is being played a little slower than it normally is, those of us who don't play maybe understand the game oh. better. I, I I was looking at it as a good thing. <laughs> oh, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. I I, I see that there there is a different slower pace than between. There is a different slower place between the obviously between the, the different levels, so you might be able to learn a bit more. But there's, I think they modify the rules a bit too. I'm not quite sure the rules are as so stuck in the mud as they are um, if your kid plays uh, traveling. I don't even know what they call it these days. Traveling club teams that are you know ungodly expensive for kids to play. Probably what they were playing in California. <laughs> how um, how much opportunity is there? for special hockey uh, a tremendous amount as there should be Absolutely. i mean I, so that's do, good i mean there's, there's a i think there's always gonna be a fight for rink time for ice time as i'd like to say but i think that there's definitely um kids that have adhd kids that have autism uh kids that like i said that are kids that are, that are born blind or end up end up being blind or kids that um, have mobility issues there's 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 a chance for them to play the game Right? I was just going to have modifications for them to play. Yeah, I was just uh, kind of wondering if rinks and arenas around the country, um, if if they make time for these programs. Oh, absolutely! I think that that's it's. I think it's. I think it's increasing. I think there's been a couple bigger uh, national associations. Obviously, USA Hockey has its own special hockey program now, and I think that all the NHL teams have really uh, friended, so to speak, special hockey programs, so they're very localized. And obviously those NHL players, like I was saying, Jason Zucker, for example, was a, is a great example. Matt Collins is another great example of players that go and participate and you know even host camps and clinics, so to speak, for those special needs players. So it's, I think it's becoming more and more popular. I would like to actually see kind of a, even an adult special hockey, special hockey program for adults with special needs. We, have, um, we do a nonprofit for individuals with uh, chaperone travel for individuals with disabilities and they're mostly 26 to 36 year olds that have disabilities i think once in a while i think they might actually benefit from that physical exercise of hockey and really get into skating now how recently did the new versions this this trilogy of drop the puck books um drop as they say two weeks ago friends <laughs> Two weeks ago, right when the first when the drop the puck happened in the season, that's when the books came out. So it's only they've been out for about two weeks. They've been um, doing really well. And all think, three um, came out at the same time. Then you got it absolutely. So um, and you can buy them at officialadventures.org. That's our website, or our friends at Amazon sell them too. Now, what's what's next? I, I mean, do you have? more installments in the works already do you I have so. outlines <laughs> um, yeah yeah I, you know what here's the here's the crazy thing 
So I've, of all the books I've written, which I've, uh, um, like I said, I wrote Capital Hell. I also, unfortunately, was diagnosed with diabetes about two years ago. Lost my eyesight for about three weeks during all this. So I also wrote a cookbook called The No Sugar Baker. And it's a blog that we have over 110,000 followers. So I have the cookbook as a, and now I have these. Hey, your voice dropped out there. I guess I've, uh, I don't know if I've lost Jane or not. Maybe, uh, maybe if she can hear me and I can't hear her, she'll disconnect and call me back so we can finish up the time. The uh, book series is, um, it's called Drop the Puck. It is a series of three books with hopefully more on the way based on true stories and celebrates the uh, sports-loving children of all types and abilities. And uh, <laughs> as readers follow the story of a group of kids in in fictional hockey town USA and the reason we know that it's fictional is because it's in Minnesota and not Detroit no I'm kidding um, anyway uh, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have to take a uh, well, I guess we'll press on as best we can um, but I want to say uh, thanks to uh, Jane Jones Beeler for being my uh, my guest this hour and since I since I lost her and don't seem to be able to make contact I think we'll do what I often do and that's whenever I run into a little bit of a problem and I have some time available it's always kind of uh, fun and, and uh, gives me an opportunity to let um, well, to share music by local artists. So I'm going to drop a little something that seems to kind of fit the mood here. Okay, here we go. All right, we're going to take a, uh, well, I guess we're just going to take a short break and hear some and here's some music, and we'll be back with more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Stay forever 
Armchair politics is going to hell. Hell, Michigan, that is, and you are invited. On October 27th, Wednesday before Halloween, Armchair Politics will be broadcasting live from 9 a.m. to noon from the Hell Saloon in Hell, Michigan, near Pinckney. This will be our first in-person meeting of the Tom Sumner Program's weekly roundtable armchair politics since the beginning of the pandemic. Join me and roundtable regulars Flint's premier political pundit Paul Rosicki on the left and longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter on the right, plus more on Wednesday, October 27, 2021, starting at 9 a.m. at the Hell Saloon. Armchair politics is going to hell, and you can too.
touch my face I stay at home Shelter in place Social distance Don't go to work I wear a mask and gloves I stay away from church Should I sneeze? I do it in my elbow or up my sleeve. Six feet apart. That is the rule. And I pray for the day the kids can go back to school. I'm washing my hands. Like a raccoon with OCD I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix, PBS, and the BBC I've taken down all my mirrors And I'm sick of what I see Two more weeks of quarantine Will be the death of me a trip to the grocery store to buy TV and a few things more but when I get there all I can find is 16 honey buns and some mad dog wine I'm washing my hands like a raccoon with OCD. I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix, PBS, and the BBC. I've taken down all my mirrors, cause I'm sick of what I see. Yeah, two more weeks of this quarantine's gonna be. Death of me, the death of me. You know they say this is war, but we don't have to storm Omaha Beach or Porkchop Hill. We just lay here on the couch and watch TV. I'd rather volunteer for a high-risk commando raid to parachute into Wuhan and find that little fellow that ordered that bat soup. I know I'm talking out of my head, saying crazy stuff over and over like. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. At breakfast, I meant to say, honey, please pass me the pepper. Well, what slipped out was, you crazy woman, you've ruined my life. <laughs> of course, I immediately apologized as <laughs> soon as I regained consciousness. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck up. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago 
with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Armchair politics is going to hell. Hell, Michigan, that is, and you are invited. On October 27th, Wednesday before Halloween, Armchair Politics will be broadcasting live from 9 a.m. to noon from the Hell Saloon in Hell, Michigan, near Pinckney. This will be our first in-person meeting of the Tom Sumner Program's weekly roundtable armchair politics since the beginning of the pandemic. Join me and roundtable regulars Flint's premier political pundit Paul Rosicki on the left and longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter on the right, plus more on Wednesday, October 27, 2021, starting at 9 a.m. at the Hell Saloon. Armchair politics is going to hell, and you can too. Objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dina, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
ladies and gentlemen, Philip Rapp's creation, The Bickersons. The Bickersons have retired. Mrs. Bickerson lies tense and awake in the darkness as poor husband John, victim of a rare type of insomnia which keeps the patient in complete lethargy for eight hours at a time, offers valid proof of his agonizing affliction. This has been going on since nine o'clock. Oh, please, not that again. John! John! (laughs) Quit it! Quit it, Blanche. John! Uh Uh-huh. There must be something that'll put a stop to that hideous snoring. Why do you do it? Do what, Blanche? Snore. Huh? Snore! John, I'm going out of my mind. For years you've been telling people you've got insomnia, and you not only sleep like a log, but you sound like you're sawing it! Very funny. It isn't funny, it's tragic. There's the clock again. Two o'clock. I've counted that thing, John, 45 times since we went to bed, and I still haven't slept. Well, how do you expect to sleep if you're going to lie there counting chimes? Throw the damn clock out. It's keeping me awake, too. You wouldn't wake up if we had Big Ben. (laughs) Big Ben who? The house could fall down. You'd never know it. Oh, that's not true, Blanche. You know I'm a very light sleeper. Light sleeper. About an hour ago, we had the worst thunderstorm I ever heard, and you never even budged. Well, why didn't you wake me? You know I can't sleep when it's thundering. I'm a nervous girl. I've got crow's feet around my eyes, my forehead's all wrinkled, and my chin is sagging. I'm beginning to look like an old hag. It's true, isn't it? I wouldn't say that. Why not, John? I'd be awake for the rest of the night. You think it's true, though, don't you? What's true? I'm beginning to look like an old hag. You are not beginning to look like an old hag. Why do you emphasize beginning? All right, you're not beginning to look like an old hag. That sounds even worse. Well, how do you want me to say it? Say I look beautiful. Okay, I look beautiful. Good night. Oh, I don't know how a man could be so cruel. Is it any wonder I'm getting old before my time? What time is it? It's after two o'clock and I haven't slept a wink. Well, go to sleep. You can't stand the sight of me, can you, John? I can stand it fine. Before we were married, you used to say such beautiful, poetic things. You don't anymore. Oh, well, Blanche, how do you expect me to feel poetic at 2 o'clock in the morning? You used to feel that way at 3 o'clock before we were married. Say something poetic. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty... Oh, stop it. You're just trying to irritate me now. Well, what do you want me to say? You know what I want you to say. Okay, Blanche, when I look into your eyes, time stands still. Are you satisfied? No. Well, why not? That might also mean I have a face that would stop a clock. Well, if the shoe fits, wear it. I want to get some sleep. You're not going to make me believe I'm hideous and ugly, John Bickerson. Huh? It isn't so long ago I won a beauty contest in my hometown. Long enough. I never hear you tell any of your friends about it. Oh, Blanche, a man can't go around telling his friends that his wife was Miss Clam Harbor Lighthouse of 1931. You make it sound as though I was the only girl in the contest. What about my sister, Clara? What about her? You won it, didn't you? I'd like to hear you talk that way about Gloria Gooseby. Oh, now don't start with Gloria Gooseby. 
The way you drool every time you look at her, you would think she was Miss America. I don't drool when I see anybody. I hate Gloria Gooseby. Then why do you keep inviting her here to dinner? I didn't invite her, you did. Don't change the subject. If it weren't for the fact that her husband Leo is such a nice person, I wouldn't have either of them in my house. And the dinner was awful. Well, you cooked it, Blanche. Yes, the thought of that horrible Gloria Gooseby coming to dinner got me all confused. And I ruined everything. The minute I turned my back, that roast caught on fire and I had to throw soup on it to put it out. You should have thrown that pie on it, too. There was nothing wrong with that pie. I hate lemon meringue, and you know it. It wasn't lemon meringue. It was apple pie. What was that yellow stuff on top? The crust got burned, and I had to put some unguentine on it. Thank heaven I didn't eat any. No, but your girlfriend stuffed herself with four pieces, the glutton. She is not my girlfriend, and quit talking about her so I can get some sleep. You wouldn't look twice at her if she didn't wear those brazen dresses. I would, too. I mean, I don't care what she wears. It's a shame Leo is such a little mouse. Believe me, if I were Gloria Gooseby's husband, I'd show her a thing or two. (sighs) Somebody ought to turn her over and give her a good spanking. Uh Uh-huh. I know what you're thinking, John Bickerson. I'm not thinking anything. Why don't you let me sleep, Blanche? I'm not going to stand for it much longer, John. You keep putting on that innocent attitude, but you don't fool me. I wouldn't feel so bad, except I'm so sick I could die. What's the matter now? I'm sick. I get fainting spells all the time, and the doctor doesn't know what it is. I never know. I know I'll never recover. Don't be silly. You'll recover. You've got a healthy constitution. I have not. You have, too. You had pneumonia, and you got well. You had the flu, you got well. You had the mumps, you got well. You've had 60 diseases, and you always get well. I never saw such a healthy woman in all my life. Well, what about these fainting spells? You'll recover from those, too. But if you ever get lockjaw, you'll bust. Why don't you faint now so I can sleep? Of all the unsympathetic, unfeeling wretches, if you ever lost me, it wouldn't mean a thing to you. Oh, wouldn't it, though? Well, you don't have to sound so eager. I'm not eager. I'm just sleepy. It's a good thing we don't have any children. I can just imagine what kind of a life a poor little child would have in this house. Ah... To have a father who constantly rants and raves, selfish and thoughtless. A man who can't bear the sight of his own child. What are you talking about? Me, sick in bed, and the poor little infant crying in his crib, crying his heart out for a little attention. Blanche! Why don't you feed the baby, John? John, why do you hate children so much? Because I can't bear them. I know, but why do you hate them? Blanche, all you want to do is keep me awake, isn't that right? You would have been asleep long ago if you hadn't kept me awake with your snoring. Well, can I help it if I snore? Yes, yes, you can. Dr. Marvin tells me there's something wrong with your nasal passages. He says you have a deviated septum. Why don't you let him fix it? Okay, I'll have it fixed next week. Yeah, you say it, but you won't do it. Let him fix it now. What? Go on, get up, let the doctor pull out your septum. Blanche, are you out of your mind? Do you think I'm going to let that broken-down doctor hammer on my nose at 3 o'clock in the morning? He doesn't hammer on your nose. He chisels. You can say that again. I've seen his book. Well, you're going to have to do something. As it is, neither of us is getting any sleep. Why don't you have him sew up your ears? I wouldn't argue at all if you'd just be a little nice for a minute. You've been up to something again, Blanche. What is it? I haven't been up to anything. I just want you to tell me you love me. That's all. Well, you know I do. You never say it. Oh, I say it all the time. Say it now. I love you. 
How much do you love me? How much do you need? $50. Now wait a minute, Blanche. You promised me, John. I know, but I can't give you anything extra this month. That's what you told me last month. Well, I kept my word, didn't I? Now what do you want $50 for? The rent. Oh, the rent is in the cookie jar. Mm, No, it isn't. It is, too. I looked there yesterday. You didn't look today. What? Now, Blanche, don't tell me you spent that money on something foolish. Oh, no. I gave it to a bookbinder. A bookbinder? What do we need with a bookbinder? Our book is in fine condition. Not that kind of... (laughs) This man goes to the racetrack. He's a trout. A trout? The racetrack? Blanche! Blanche! Did you bet that money with a bookmaker? Turn on the lights. Now, don't get excited, John. He brought back the ticket. Here. Oh, a $50 win ticket. How could you take my hard-earned money and gamble it away on a horse? I work my fingers to the bone, and you squander every penny I make. You never see me betting horses. I've never been to a racetrack in my life. What's the name of the horse? Valdino Ridge. The bum? A worn-out goat that hasn't won a race since Del Mar. Oh, Blanche, why did you do it? Did he win? No, he ran second. Fifty dollars, tossed away. Why are you tearing up the ticket, John? Because it's no good. I ought to make you eat the pieces. This is the worst thing you've ever done in your life. Blanche, at least you could have played him to place. Well, don't throw the pieces away, John. What makes you so sure that it's no good? Well, you played the horse to win, didn't you? Yes. And he ran second, didn't he? Yes. Well, then the ticket's worthless. Here, watch your $50 go out the window. There, I knew you had something on your mind. I'm sorry, John. Well, what's the difference? Who won the race? Do you know? Yes, I heard it on the radio. Well, who won it? Disqualified. Disqualified? Yes, the announcer said the winner of the race was disqualified. (sighs) Wish I was dead. Good night, John. Alexander Zanchik, don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.